Hi, I'm Niall uh, with the uh, news on DCU FM. A couple has been found dead in Cavan last night, the cause of which uh, is said to possibly be from accidental poisoning. Uh, Rolandis J- uh, Jarmalvicious, Mal- sorry if I pronounced that wrong, and Rita Martin Kian, uh, who have be- been uh, living in Clo- Clover Hill. Uh, were found uh, in their home after his brother Darius was concerned that his brother had not been in contact with him for the last uh, several days. For the time being, it is being treated as an unexplained death. And in Antrim, two men have been arrested for spraying graffiti throughout Larne on Saturday. The graffiti is said to uh, have the words, Larne says no to Irish sea border. Uh, The men appeared... Uh, in court via video call uh, in a P- PSNI uh, custody suite and were given bail, a curfew at night time and are not allowed to access the Larne uh, town centre. In Limerick, a child has received €22,500 as a result of a lawsuit against Dunn Stores after his arm was caught between an elevator and a trolley. The event happened in 2013 uh, in Limerick when the boy Tyg uh, was five months old. His mother uh, sued Dunn Stores as she claimed that there was a child seat uh, on the trolley which uh, had involvement in causing her son's arm uh, to be fractured between the trolley and the elevator. And last night, uh, singer of The weekend had a fantastic performance in the halftime show of the Super Bowl uh, 55. The singer performed to 25,000 uh, fans and millions uh, at home worldwide during the half-time break of the game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and in sport, as already said, the Super Bowl took place last night between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Uh, the Buccaneers um, winning by a landslide uh, 31 points to 9. And on Saturday, Manchester United faced Everton in a two-all draw, um, which was a fantastic comeback from Everton uh, from 2-0 down. And last night, Man City and Liverpool uh, faced in the Premier League uh, with the result ending uh, 4-1. That is all. Thanks so much for that, Niall. Now, hello everyone and welcome to DCU FM's Newswire, where we look at the top news stories of the week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DCU Newswire and let us know your thoughts on the news of the day. Now, for our first story, we're going to pop over to Valerie. Up to 40 vaccination centres to be set up across the country, according to the HSE chief. HSE chief Paul Reid has said that 40 vaccination centres are planned to be opened across the country for COVID-19 vaccine administration, with some of these facilities having from 10 to 50 bays where people can be vaccinated. These facilities are also being developed alongside the plan for vaccine administration to those over 70, including the establishment of three GP-led centres in Dublin, Cork and Galway. The HSE chief executive has also promised older people that are immobile at home that they, quote, will not be left behind. He said that transport could be arranged using local authorities or the defence forces, while the HSE is also currently working on considering how to bring the vaccine services to the homes of those concerned. The government's original plan to vaccinate 483,000 people over 70 had to be altered 
after expert advice was given to use the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines instead of the AstraZeneca shots. Mr. Reid told RTs this week on Sunday that this would not lead to significant delays in the program, with those over 70 plan to receive their first doses by mid-April instead of the original end of March. This revised plan will begin on the 15th of February, with those aged over 85 being vaccinated first. DCU is where one of the large-scale vaccination clinics is being established, with patients attached to 121 GP practices across Dublin who received the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. There are under 490,000 patients over 70 in Ireland, with the first group to be vaccinated, those over 85, counting to 72,000 people. Currently, the order of vaccination in Ireland prioritises frontline healthcare workers, healthcare workers who deal with unscheduled care patients on a regular basis in an uncontrolled environment, such as first responders in the community, and healthcare workers who deal with unscheduled care patients in a semi-controlled environment, such as dentists, GPs, etc. So I guess for if anyone has any thoughts on these say, large scale vaccination centers being set up or any benefits that they think this could have. I think the benefits just kind of speak for themselves. I don't think I think it's a good idea. And really, there's nothing too kind of flamboyant about it. It should have been done sooner, but it's here now. And I don't think that anyone could possibly have a disagreement with it. If it gets things done quicker, drive on. Yeah, absolutely well said. I actually really hope that I get the vaccine and the helix and I also get my graduation cap at the same time. So we're going to have a graduation cap and a pint maybe in one hand and then the vaccine in the other arm. I don't know, like I just feel like it would be like a good end of 2021. But um, for our second story tonight, we're going to have a look at um, Paul Meskel. So Normal People star Paul Meskel has faced harsh criticism today after footage was posted of him in a gym with links with Daniel Kinahan. The MTK gym is based in Sydney. MTK Global's lawyers deny links to criminality. A spokesperson has now revealed that Paul is no longer training at the facility. It is taught that Meskel was unaware of the links. So um, this story, obviously, he has faced a great deal of criticism um, today after being hailed as, you know, the nation's saviour of 2020 after normal people's success. So the question I put to you is, does social media mean that celebrities like Meskel are under more pressure now more than any other time? I think, um, yeah, I think you're correct with that because all we can do is sit at home and browse through social media. It's a case of people have nothing really else to do unless they're working from home or they're studying. So we spend more time than ever judging people who can actually go out and do stuff. So the kind of the spotlight is on people a lot more than it was before because it's all we can do is look at other people. Yeah, I agree with basically what Jack said. It's just because all of us are basically sitting at home and whenever someone kind of breaks what we imagine is lockdown or what we shouldn't be doing we're just like oh my god this is scandalous basically yeah I agree with the both of you like I think it's it's really bad um the way that basically like I think cancel culture has just gained so much traction especially now more than ever everybody's being judged 24 7 about like well first of all COVID guidelines and stuff like that but like especially uh, social media influencers and how they're conducting themselves through all of this but then then again even if this had have happened in normal times I'm sure there would have been a story made about it anyway so you just kind of have to look at it and and stop kind of putting people like this on a pedestal like people like they're still normal <laughs> normal people funny and uh, pardon the pun there but um yeah he is a normal person and um people make mistakes and I'm sure he didn't know about the links and yeah I think forgive him Paul Meskel you have our hearts 
Yeah, I think it was the O'Neill shorts for me, to be honest with you. But um, apart from the O'Neill shorts that are vintage, do you think, like on Sarah's point, that we do tend to put actors and Irish celebrities up on a pedestal and completely forget that they're human and at the same sort of level as the rest of us? I think there's there's two kind of sides to this whole giving stories to actors and social media influencers. On the first half, it's just poor journalism. I think to write a story about what a influencer is doing with their day is the most low of low bland content. It just shows that people are just willing to pull a story out of anything. I don't really think anyone should give any heed to it, to be honest. And on the second half of, is it a bad influence? It's a case of, if I say jump off a bridge, will you jump off? You don't have to do what influencers do. You don't have to take their guidance on everything. You can be your own independent person. If you see an influencer go out and do something illegal and you go and do it, that's on you. That's not anybody's fault except yourself for making a conscious decision to go out and make a bad choice. Yeah, I 100% agree as well with you, Jack. I think that, yeah, we do forget that they're human. But as well, like, I think that like people look at you know um influencers and stuff like that and even let's say when it comes to movements like the black lives matter movement they so an influencer starts off and they have like a niche area let's say it's fashion so they're into fashion and their expertise lies with that but then people start looking at influencers like they're supposed to have the answers for absolutely everything they're supposed to be so educated on every movement and they should be so like politically correct 24 7 but the fact is that you first started following this person for their fashion content you didn't start following them because they know every single thing about every single thing so you just have to allow these people to kind of make mistakes but I would say that when you gain a following and when you have a lot of like people looking up to you you do have to be careful about what you do and like you chose that so at the same time like when it comes to COVID guidelines and stuff like that when you see people flying off to Dubai and stuff like that they have these people like they they knew that people are going to be looking at them so they should be making conscious decisions and I think if you have an impressionable audience as well you shouldn't really be sending off the wrong messages if that makes sense. Yeah super well said Sarah and um, now we're going to flow over to Jack and Jack is going to tell us about a topic that's really close to my heart and probably the rest of everyone else's. A nightclub culture documentary has recently been released. Ireland has an abundance of nightclubs dotted all around the country. They help to fuel our love for the nightlife and the social aspects around it. During the pandemic, the nightclub venues were the first to suffer and will most likely be the last ones to open. A new documentary has surfaced titled Clubbing is Culture, which shows off Ireland's need to be on the dance floor and out at night. In various locations around Dublin City, the hashtag Clubbing is Culture has been displayed on projectors to advertise the documentary and promote it. In honour of Ireland's club culture, this amazing new documentary has called upon some of the biggest names in cultural commentary to explain just what clubs mean to Ireland and to the Irish people. Some of the individuals interviewed include Hazel Chu, Dublin's Lord Mayor, Mona Lisa, founder of Girl Code, Una Mullally, writer and co-presenter of United Ireland. Hazel Chu was quoted saying, what's the point in having a city where all you can say to tourists is after five o'clock the only places open are pubs or restaurants. Clubs are vital. The Clubbing is Culture documentary is available on YouTube now. So I'll throw a few questions down to you lads. Um, do you agree with this documentary? Do you think clubbing is part of Irish culture or is it just kind of a niche market? Um, I think it's definitely a big part of Irish culture and I don't think it's just Ireland to be honest. I feel like young people or any kind of people really enjoy going out like if you go on holidays to Spain, if you go to Europe, like there's so many different places. I think it's just a big part because it's just a fun way, I guess, to go out, not even just to drink, you know, people go for the music, there's different kinds, there's, you know, the 
ones with the where you just put on the headphones and you listen to the music, like the quiet, like nightclubs and stuff. So I think it's just it has become a big part. Obviously, in the past year, it's been obviously hasn't been open, which is terrible, I guess. But I suppose it's an important part at the same time because, like, you're young, making memories. Like, it doesn't have to be all about the alcohol or just the the bad negativities. It is about meeting new people and just sort of getting new experiences outside of a college or work and an unprofessional setting. I guess I'd agree with that completely, uh, Valerie. Um, another thing I'll just ask you we know that nightclubs obviously are being closed for a reason I think it's undeniable we all know as they are closed for safety and that's fair enough but they've been given a serious lack of support there's almost been no effort given to support a nightclub owner it's just been pushed them to the side and wait for liquidation do you think this is fair or do you think the government should be allocating whatever little it can to other essential areas yeah I feel that this kind of culture of a lack of support for the clubs really stretches a lot further back Back then COVID-19 we look back at the various clubs in Dublin and every single one of them has nearly been transformed into a hotel but yet then when we look at trying to introduce a hotel quarantine that wasn't possible but I really feel like obviously it is completely unsafe to open clubs at the moment but there are very little alternatives you try and get a coffee in Dublin after 6 p.m it's impossible you kind of, in Europe, a lot of people would kind of flock to the park to kind of socialise and there'd be events in the park and concerts and stuff. There's also that not, there's not an alternative like that kind of offered here. So also when the clubs close at 2am, you have a flock of people that come out of Harcourt Street and kind of flock to McDonald's and there's kind of like, you know, rowdy behaviour. And then people are like, oh, well, how did this happen? There's no kind of staggered times. There's no kind of, um, you know, there's not that kind of transportation there. It's everyone kind of going for taxis at the very same time. People ending up in scraps because it's 2 a.m. They still want to be clubbing, but yet they're kind of forced to go home and the lights come up and they have to go home. So I really feel like um, this kind of culture stretches back into kind of our history and our kind of Catholic history. And we kind of have to move forward. We have to move with the rest of Europe. And this isn't just a specific COVID-19 issue. I really think the whole of Dublin clubbing culture will have to be, and Galway and Cork's clubbing um, culture will have to be kind of reformed. Um, And I think COVID-19 has really brought these issues to light, the kind of flaws that were in our society before ever the pandemic happened. Yeah, I completely agree, Roisin. I was actually going to just mention, like before... Uh, obviously COVID hit and everything we we obviously understand why nightclubs are closed now but even before that the give us the night campaign I I looked into that for a while and it was basically all about just trying to modernize Ireland's nightlife like just the fact that like let's say you go to Budapest you could be in a pub until like 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 they don't close until 6 a.m and then they open back up at like 12 do you know what I mean like like Roisin was saying every element of that you're trying to get your drinks in uh, like all from 12 until 2 so then when you're leaving the pl- like the club people are so fueled up and that's why these scraps end up happening because like they're the drunkest that they've been all night and then they have to leave and there's absolutely no sobering up for them so yeah I think that it's definitely something that needs to be explored and needs to be yeah rejuvenized and needs to change for the future of future generations to come but yeah yeah absolutely well said um I feel like say if you're coming out of a club in Budapest by the time it's 5am, 6am and you've been dancing the night away, all you want to do is go home and get into bed. And that really is the solution to so many problems. 
Um, now, Sarah, we're going to go back to you and you're going to tell us um, about uh, Lindsay Bennett. So as most of you probably have seen in the news from last week, Lindsay Bennett of 32 with advanced cervical cancer settles a smear test case. Due to the delay in diagnosing her advanced cervical cancer, Lindsay Bennett, mother of two, sued the HSE and the US lab that analysed her smear test. She settled for an undisclosed sum and said afterwards that all the fighting was worthwhile for her two daughters of ages 7 and 12 years old and that they may now be free from financial worries as she expressed, unfortunately, I probably will not be here much longer. In a statement that was read in court last week, the HSE expressed its deep regret to Miss Bennett and for her family, but there was no sense of responsibility taken by the HSE. Miss Bennett appeared on the Late Late Show on Friday and expressed her dissatisfaction with no admission of liability from the HSE. But she said her main focus now is just on fighting to stay alive. Miss Bennett also mentioned that she had received a phone call from the Taoiseach Michal Martin to express his apologies. The Taoiseach also later appeared on primetime and expressed that women in similar situation to Miss Bennett are choosing to go to court rather than the tribunal. But Lindsay quickly explained how she didn't have a choice for a tribunal as she had been so vigilant and had gone and got her, t- her smear test done five times in the space of four years due to her growing concerns, which were dismissed. And that has led her to this point now. So the question I put to all of you is, do you think there should be some sense of liability taken by the US company and the HSE for the wrongdoing done on the countless women that have been failed by the cervical smear tests in Ireland? I think 100% the HSE just have to say, just put your hands up and admit you've done something wrong. They can't change the past. They can definitely change the future. But at this point, it's not even a kind of a, it is a definitely what's right or wrong, but it's just out of, out of respect for people. They should just come out and just release a statement and just say, we have messed up. And I know they can't like fix what's happened, but they can at least try and make amends to settle out a court and do all this underhand. Oh, we have our greatest like regrets. It, it's not the same. It's just kind of weaving around the truth. Just give these women what they deserve. Just put your hands up and say you've messed up. Stop being so disrespectful about the whole situation. Yeah, really well said, Jack. I feel like um, obviously it's been said in the news this week that basically if they do kind of say sorry there is that kind of angle where it could be a mission of guilt in legal terms and that is it but I do feel like you said there is a way to go about it with showing far more respect than there has been shown in the past I really feel like um like so many things in this country I do feel like this is going to be something that will come out 10 years down the line and there'll be a national apology because that's how we kind of do things we do a national apology you know 10 20 60 years down the line for some and sometimes you look back and you're like you know when it comes to like say the Magdalene laundries you look back and you're like how did nobody do things how did everyone stay silent but then you kind of see history continuing to repeat itself so that is um definitely a worrying trend we're going to leave it there for all of us this evening thanks so much to the team for joining me tonight um as always keep in touch with us on twitter and on instagram at dcu newswire and see you next monday take care